Welcome to the pod. This is Brazil Nuts, an insane journey through the world of Brazilian politics, with your hosts Larissa Peixoto, a political scientist, and Gareth Davies, a white rapper currently performing under the name Vanilla Isolation. In this episode, we discuss the coronavirus pandemic in Brazil, official numbers, subnotification, and the efforts being made or not made in containing the spread of the virus. We also talk about the political ramifications and the wild statements being made by Brazil's president, Bolsonaro. Don't forget to also listen to our regular episode on the Brazilian universal healthcare system, which also came out this Friday, May 1st. Pacino's birthday. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, indeed, absolutely. So, happy birthday, Al Pacino. Happy birthday, Al Pacino, indeed. Hua, as <laughs> Okay, so it's Al Pacino's birthday, and we are also doing a special episode on the coronavirus crisis in Brazil. That's correct, yes, we are. We are indeed. Um, what did you want to talk about today? Because it's, it's, we've had, we've had a couple of days of just nonsense as far as as far as the coronavirus is concerned. We have Donald Trump coming out and talking about how um, Oh Jesus, yeah, the disinfectant <laughs> thing. My God, that man is so dumb. Right, the thing is though, is that he came out and I I take it you've seen the video of yes. what he said. Because I'm a masochist. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think everybody at this point, everybody is. You know, we've all kind of <laughs> fallen into the trap of of having this horror injected into our veins. But um, like, not the disinfectant, though. No, Do not no, inject disinfectant no, into no. your veins, people. Genuinely, now, please do not inject anything into your veins at all, unless it's like really, really, really good opiates. The point is. <laughs> Anyway, the point is, is that so he comes out and he does this thing and he, he starts talking and you can tell he has no idea what he's talking about. But at no point does he does he not, does he actually shut up and just go, oh, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. As he keeps going and going and going and going and going and it ends up in this word salad where he's talking about how we have to get light into our bodies, which presumably means means flaying our own skin to do. <laughs> Well, the, yesterday, so it's been a mess here as well. I feel like if there isn't, if there wasn't this huge political mess happening right now here with the coronas, the coronavirus happening as well, uh, Bolsonaro would also be talking about the disinfectant thing because everything Trump says he repeats a couple of days mm. later. But yesterday, Bolsonaro had a press conference in which he rambled on for 40 minutes saying, nothing coherent but he had like most of his cabinet standing behind him and five minutes afterwards there was already a buzzfeed quiz on who are you at the bolsonaro press conference (laughs) (laughs) because the reactions from the cabinet are just incredible and i got paulo gadges who is the ministry of of economy uh uh, so I got because he didn't because he had a mask on. He's the only one with a mask on. <laughs> is that? And one, I is push that, one? that I'd be the one with a mask on. <laughs> I'm the I'm going to be the one who's taking this shit, you know, slightly seriously. That's well. Yeah. A lot of people just think he was wearing the mask so he could laugh without being noticed. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. That is brilliant. That's fantastic. How has your dear president been the past couple of days with all of this? Bad. So, mm-hmm. this past couple of days has been not great because he lost his most important minister, uh, most important in terms of his ratings, like his favorability with people. So, Sergio Moro is beloved by a lot of people for very, 
very, very bad reasons. He's a horrible, horrible man. But he has earned the trust of a lot of Brazilians. And a lot of Brazilians voted for Bolsonaro because of Sanjo Moro. So now that he's out of the cabinet, he's no longer a minister, uh, a lot of shit is going down. It's, it's not a good time. Why, why, what happened then? Why did he, did he resign or? He resigned, uh, because Bolsonaro, so he's the minister of justice. He was the minister of justice, which means he is in charge of the federal police. So Bolsonaro uh, apparently was trying to interfere with uh, investigations and particularly with the nomination of the director of the federal police. He wanted to have another person there. He wanted to fire the current dude and replace him with somebody who wouldn't investigate him and his sons. <laughs> okay. All right then. Oh, so so for noble and uh, and um, you know honourable reasons then in that case. Yeah. So apparently, and this is what Moro is saying. He was offered. He Bolsonaro offered Sergio Moro a slot in the federal Supreme Court, which should open up in a few months because there is a mandatory retirement at seventy-five years old. So. There are two slots opening up, one in a few months, one in a couple of years. I mean, no, one next year. And he was offered a slot in exchange for this. But this guy, Sergio Moro, he is a clever bitch. So he knows to use text messages as proof of wrongdoing. Because this is what he does. So... There are text messages that show that he colluded with prosecutors in order to essentially frame President Lula and imprison him with no evidence. So this is a judge, but he was colluding with prosecutors. So it, it is a really bizarre situation. And that's how he became minister. That's how he became nationally famous. Right. And so now... There is this whole situation of he said, he said, but Moro is clever enough to have all of the screenshots and have reco probably recorded a lot of conversations. So we'll see. Because the military and Bolsonaro's cabinet are pissed. And we essentially do have now kind of a military government. Because there are nine ministers who are military either active or reform. The vice president is a military general. So, and everything that Bolsonaro does, he usually checks with the military. So the plan to revitalize the economy was not checked with the, with the minister of economy. It was decided by the military. So the minister of economy is pissed. Right, okay. I mean, to be fair, though, whenever I need some financial advice uh, in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. My first thought is, well, I know Brian, the TA. He's always been good with a calculator. Uh, why, not <laughs> give, why not give him a shot at it? Well, the Brazilian military has always been uh, guided by state, stately affairs. So during the military dictatorship, one thing that they did was a lot of intervention in in the economy. So they do think a lot of that uh, in a lot of that way of the state should intervene interfere intervene. That's the word I'm looking for. The state should intervene when things so they're very, you know, they don't care about big state or small state. Mm. They don't care about that kind of thing, but the minister of economy does. So he was very adamant against uh, any state interference in the economy. So now there is this uh, standoff against the military and the government and the minister of economies. But the military and the government um, supported Sergio Moro. So now that he is gone and without Bolsonaro checking in with them, they are not happy. So it's a weird moment because there are now three impeachment requests 
uh, against Bolsonaro, which means if he if he's impeached, the vice president takes over, which means we'd have a military general as the president. Hmm. Okay. As an elected president. Right. Because he's elected vice president. What was the deal then in that case with, with Bolsonaro a couple of days ago? Was it a couple of days ago when he went on the rally? And... It was uh, last Sunday. So one of the things that the federal police was investigating and that the Supreme Court is actually investigating is the financing of these protests that are for a dictatorship, that support the idea of dictatorship. Now, Bolsonaro su- supports this idea, and he goes to these protests, and there are videos of him coughing into his hand and then shaking people's hands. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, so part of the allegations that are being made against <laughs> him is that he is, you know, attempting against public health. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 trying to spread a killer disease amongst his own population, essentially. Yeah, especially because there is a real concern that he did have COVID-19 because he was in the United States with a party of around 20 people and most of them got COVID-19. So that was in March, that was early March. Mm-hmm. So and he never showed his tests. So he just said, "Oh, I got the, I got tested, and I don't have corona. I don't have the virus." However, he never showed his tests. Now, presumably, no though, proof. yeah, but presumably, though, he's you know he's immune to um, COVID nineteen thanks to his incredible level of machismo. Uh, <laughs> well, you should do, you should look at the videos of him doing push ups. Really. It's, hilarious it looks like he's diving he just goes <laughs> with his head it's hilarious <laughs> and you look at that and you think dude you were a captain in the armed forces how <laughs> how did you not get punched in the nuts by your superior officer it's ridiculous so he is spiraling you see every time he speaks he just completely completely spirals Um, Yeah, it's truly, it's worse than Trump in that sense, because he was talking during his press conference, and he is not really coherent most of the time. And he talked about, so we have a, a state agency that checks if things are standardized and if they are safe, such as, um, I don't know, cars or, uh, bookcases, anything to see if they are safe. So that's called the method. So he compared that to the Ministry of Justice. And he said, well, to say that I interfered in the Ministry of Justice is the same to say that when I talked to the Metro people, I interfered. And it's just completely ludicrous. And that people are going out into the streets um, demanding the end of lockdown, protesting the virus, who protests the virus, Jesus. Um, and demanding uh, that things reopen. Because Bolsonaro has been uh, regurgitating Trump's speech that lockdown needs to end, that jobs need to uh, be on the rise, that we need to go back and just isolate critical patients and the elderly. So yeah, so... Uh, Moro is out, which is, which really destabilizes everything. And then we have the Ministry of Health. So we have talked about this in an upcoming episode. Um, the Ministry of Health is actually a huge, um, important ministry because it houses the universal healthcare system. And our universal healthcare system is responsible for the health of do you remember how many Brazilians? You can say the percentage. Come on, test time. Oh, God. Oh, God, I was not prepared for this at all. I know, that's why it's fun. Oh, um, uh, oh, God. Now, there were two numbers, one of which yeah. was 100%. Yeah, good boy. <laughs> I've never been happy. So, yeah. I've never been happy. The in my universal life. healthcare system is technically responsible for the health of all Brazilians. So there are um, 70% of us do not have any private health care. Three points, nailed it. So they rely solely 
on the healthcare system, on the public health care system to go to hospitals and to go to the doctor and to have lab results and all of that. But it also is responsible for epidemiological monitoring and um, (laughs) he's still celebrating people and sanitary surveillance. So it is the healthcare system that is um, making sure that we have field hospitals for the coronavirus pandemic. It is the healthcare system that is uh, organizing efforts around testing vaccination, um, if we are going to have one. So all of these sort of research that we are doing here in Brazil, which we are doing a lot of. So it is the healthcare system that is doing all of that. Um, There is a big discussion on the existence of a single file um, that unites the beds of the healthcare system, of the public healthcare system and the private healthcare system which has not been done yet, which is astounding to me. Uh, so there was a, a case judged by the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, well, this is actually not our purview. The executive branch has to do this. And so the presidency is part of the presidency, the presidency to say, well, it is a single file now. All of the beds in the healthcare system, because the private healthcare system is subordinate to the public healthcare system. So Bolsonaro has not done that yet. The Ministry of Health has not done that yet. So private hospitals are not dealing with the coronavirus crisis, which is absurd. Yeah. And people are just not being tested. Uh, in Amazonas, now that's the, the state that is relatively being the hardest hit because it doesn't have enough resources, but it has a lot of cases. But it has a lot of cases. We know that because we see the system crumbling because we don't know how many cases there are. So people are already dying in their homes in Amazonas, in the state of Amazonas. So that's in the north of Brazil. So Manaus, the capital, already has a field hospital. People are dying in line, waiting for a bed, or as I said, in their homes. Mass, ga- mass graves are being dug with uh, industrial diggers. The number of burials per day have tripled. So the average is of roughly 20 burials per day. Now it's about 82. The largest number of burials per day has been over 100 in one day. There are simultaneous simultaneous burials happening. So all coffins are sealed. And these mass graves, they're allowing people to know where the graves are because they see where the plots are. So they see where their coffins of their loved ones are going. In the beginning, even early in March, there were refrigerators, like industrial refrigerators, that were taken to Manaus in order to keep the dead, because bodies are kept there waiting for burial, because there isn't enough time to bury everyone. So the mayor of Manaus, Arthur Vigilio, so he's a member of the PSDB, so that's the, the Social Democratic, the Brazilian Social Democratic Party. So that is a right-wing party, but it's a very traditional party in Brazil. So he met with the VP to ask for help, and he also used that time to complain about the lack of resources coming from the federal government. And he used that time also to complain about Bolsonaro's participation in pro-military coup uh, events and protests because his father had his term terminated. So his father was a federal deputy and was had his term terminated by the military dictatorship. So for this guy to be in the situation of seeing mass graves and people dying in his city and then the president of the country is just out in the street going to the bakery going to pharmacies, running errands. The mayor ended up doing a press conference in which he cried talking about the grave diggers because Bolsonaro made a statement saying he doesn't know anything about the number of deads, of dead because he's no grave digger. So the mayor of Manaus, Arthur Vigilio, so he defended grave diggers and said that is a very respectable position and that Bolsonaro has no idea what it is to be a grave digger. And at that moment, his eyes welled up. 
Um, and one important number there is that Amazonas has less doctors per person than the rest of the country. So they're begging for doctors and resources and beds and ventilators. And that's why this this is the first state, state to really have um, crumbled under the crisis. And I really want to point out point that out before going into the institutional discussions, because uh, Brazil is a really big country with a lot of regional differences, and being a federalist country, we've had to deal with a president who is inept and governors who are deciding what they have to do. So one actor, one important actor in this, was the Supreme Court. Uh, making a decision that governors and mayors uh, have the leeway to decide on lockdown procedures. So in my city, in Belo Horizonte, the mayor is terrified of dying of COVID-19, which is a good thing because he had never held a political office before. So we were very, I was very unsure of what he was going to do. And the fact that he's terrified of dying of this illness meant that he locked down the city really early and that he's really fighting against all of these ineptitudes by Bolsonaro. And that has been a relief because my city has not been hit as hard as other places. Um, Maranhão, another state here in the Northeast, had to essentially mount a war effort to get masks and ventilators from China because they had other supplies get diverted to the United States, to Germany, and by the federal government of Brazil. So they had to figure out a way to get the plane to go to through customs in their own state and not in Sao Paulo, and not to land anywhere else in the world so it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be diverted. What they had to do was make sure that that plane went through federal customs in their own state. Because when it did through Sao Paulo, the federal government was at customs and would just confiscate everything in order to take to wherever they they wanted to. But Maranhão is a state in the Northeast and, you know, it lacks resources more than southern and southern eastern states so that i mean that is my conjecture that is my assumption uh but also we have a huge under notification of cases in sao paulo as well so sao paulo has the largest graveyard in latin america and there was a, a picture a few weeks ago that was really that went the whole world round of graves being dug there because there's so many and there's and they have to be real next to each other because there's no room um and Sao Paulo had to hire extra grave diggers and this reminded me actually of a classic um Brazilian novel uh Incidente in Antares I don't know the name in English I know it's translated but the grave the grave diggers go on strike and the the people who are left, the people who are dead and not buried, end up rising from their coffins and staging a protest in the main square. And I keep thinking of these people who are dealing with this much death and this much despair and seeing families who are not allowed to mourn for more than 10 minutes um, are not allowed more than five people per funeral and they're going to suffer from PTSD I mean no doubt about it and I'm just in awe and very grateful for these people and yeah I I um so the Ministry of Health. So we had, yeah. Do you, do you need a moment at all? Yeah, I do. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I don't. 
I don't know where I'm crying. Okay, I'm gonna have some more. If you also have any gin, uh, possibly that. I do actually in my closet because. In your closet? Why are you holding gin in your closet? Because I don't want in anyone else to drink it. It's mine. <laughs> oh, you're like an alcoholic squirrel. <laughs> okay, that you don't have to add it. <laughs> okay. So, um. Coming back. Thank you for giving me a break. We are now, so I want to talk about the official numbers a little bit so we can have an idea of the scope of the issue. So today is April 29th, which means, so I'm going to have the data a bit around this um, these days. Um, so the number of cases, the official number of cases that we have right now is over 70,000, almost 72,000. Uh, the number of deaths is over 5,000. Uh, and we've re reached our highest number of official deaths in one day, which is 474. Bolsonaro was asked about this, uh, and he said, so what? People are going to die. So that was his reaction. What was that? Was that a... I'm being literal. He literally said, so what? Oh, okay. Okay, that's 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 a bit... Callous, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. So this means that officially we have surpassed China in official deaths. Wow. However, um, there are at least three uh, research groups that would put our estimates much higher than that because of our sub-notifications or under-notifications. So we are likely 12 to 15 times, uh, we have likely 12 to 15 times more cases than our official numbers, which explains um, the fact that certain states are having just a complete chaos and their health systems are just crashing. I mean, these are states that do have fewer resources, as we talked about Amazonas, um, but that is likely to happen in all states soon. Sao Paulo is still the state that has, is being hit the most, and that is explained by several reasons. One is that Sao Paulo is the international hub of Brazil, so that's where most international travelers come from. Um, that's where everybody lands when they're coming from an international trip. So whether they're international travelers, whether they're Brazilian and they're, they're connecting to, to go home, everybody just goes through Sao Paulo or Rio de Janeiro, but usually Sao Paulo. And also it's the most populous state. So the city of Sao Paulo, the metropolitan area has 20 million people and they all live you know, on top of each other. It's a large city in terms of how many people live there, but it's not a large city in terms of space. It's a smaller state than, for instance, the state I live in, and my state has 20 million people, roughly. And this is just the metropolitan area of Sao Paulo has 20 million people. So it's, it's just easier to spread the virus there. So um, according to one of the groups... There are likely 20 to 30,000 cases in Sao Paulo alone, and probably the deaths are between 1,500 and 2,000 deaths. So some estimates from another, another pair of researchers, they would put that estimate um, after the peak. So after, let me check the date. So until June, so after our peak is over, they estimate that we'll have in Sao Paulo an average of 8,000 deaths, but their higher estimate is 15,600 deaths. And they predict between 1,000 to 3,000 deaths a day uh, in the country between April 30th, so tomorrow, and May 8th, which is our highest peak estimation. 
And it would make sense considering um, the lack of notification and the official numbers that we have. So if our official numbers tell us that we have about 500 deaths a day and we know that our notification is so low, that would make sense that we would have about a 1,000 deaths per day. So this group, uh, this pair of researchers that made this estimate, they would argue that lethality is actually lower, but the number of cases is higher. So there are way more cases, and there are a lot of deaths, but the lethality of it is not as high. But the ability of the system to actually handle all of these cases is just not there. Even though the Brazilian healthcare system, the public healthcare system, is the largest in the world, it's just not, no healthcare system is equipped to handle a, something like this. And one research has found that only 37% of adults have adopted all mitigation measures. So social isolation, hand washing, um, social distancing, all of that, uh, only 37% of all adults have actually, uh, are actually doing all of that. Wait, so sorry, um, so the 37% of all adults, so that would mean that there's, hang on, wait a minute, quick maths, um, <laughs> 63% who aren't. Yeah, so um, that would include all measures. So 37% are doing everything. So they're staying home, they're doing social distancing, they're washing their hands, they're not touching their faces, using mm-hmm. masks the whole nine yards. Um, the others are maybe doing one or two or... You know. Now, do we know if that includes people who, say, can't do those things? Um, uh, say, for example, key workers and so on and so forth, or is that...? It does. Um, so one thing that we have found is that people are more likely to stay home during the, win- the weekend. Mm-hmm. So there are people okay. who are going to work. So Some of them are essential workers. Some of them are not. So lockdown measures have been more effective uh, in municipalities. Uh, rather than in states. And, and that is something that I am, I'm, a, I am analyzing it myself here because Brazilian states are so large and Brazil itself is so large that doing something like a lockdown procedure, a lockdown measure is very difficult to do in such a large territory. So it does make sense that all municipalities do need to do their own procedures. The thing is, not all governors are doing their the, the things that they need to do to make sure all the municipalities are doing what they're supposed to do. So in my case, for instance, in the state of Minas Gerais, the governor is a supporter of Bolsonaro completely. So when Bolsonaro um, argued for, not argue, when he went to the protest that demanded a military coup, that would propel him as a dictator. Uh, there were several governors, 20 governors, that signed a letter against us that said it was absurd that the president would uh, go to this kind of protest. The governor of my state was one of the five that did not sign this letter. So this is a guy who has never had a political office before, mm-hmm. and he has been deemed completely inept. And very situ- in various situations, but particularly now. One question. Has he tried building an ice tap? No. Oh, okay. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, for those who did not catch that reference, this is a parks no, and recreation don't, don't, reference. Don't explain it to them. That's, you know, that, that, that could be just our, like, little, you know, thing of trying to amuse each other. But no, fine. It's okay. Fine. Yeah. Well, but people are listening. And Parks and Recreation is a great show. And you should be at home if you're not an essential worker watching Parks and Recreation. Yes, you should. Did you hear that they're doing another episode? Yes. 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 I, I take it we're going to, like, you know, crack open a beer and, and watch it. We should. Yeah, I mean, not a beer. I'll I'll have wine or a gin and tonic, but yes, we should. Okay, all right. And I won't have beer because I don't have any in the house, so I'll just have to drink potted duck or something. Um, (laughs) Donald Trump would approve. (laughs) Yeah, so um, at least that Bolsonaro did not repeat repeat yet. 
Mm. He did not repeat the bleach thing. No. Um, oh, that's good. That's hey, maybe maybe that's progress, right? Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe there is hope after all. <laughs> so, um, so this is he has been he, he has decreed a lockdown, but he hasn't really taken any steps to ensure it. So it has been really up to the mayors to make sure that it's happening or not, and the. Every other aspect, for instance, he could have closed down the airports. He can close down the highways. He can close, um, he can determine what can come in, can, what can come in and come out from the state. And he, uh, has not really, uh, made any effective measures in that area. So continuing with our, uh, subnotification numbers, um, uh, so there has been a spike in deaths of undetermined causes. So it's been 43%. So considering the same period for last year, there has been 43% more deaths without a cause in the death certificate. There have been, so this is a number from April 23rd. So it's probably really um, out of date by now, but I couldn't find a more recent one. There have been almost 3,000 deaths. Um, there have been a, of some unidentified respiratory syndrome. So we know that these deaths are of a respiratory system syndrome, but we don't know which one. So we can't be directly stated that it is COVID-19, but they are... And they are not in the official statistics, but most of them have been treated in burials as if they were. So all burials are being done and the, you know, coffin is closed. People can't uh, stay very long, only five to ten, all of that. So um, there have been over 10,000 cases in March in Sao Paulo. Uh, of respiratory syndromes of unidentified causes when in 2019 there were 660. Now these are cases without deaths. So it's an in incredible number that has, it just shows how little testing we're doing. Um, in Rio de Janeiro, 310 people um, have died without a cause of death since February, since the first person died uh, with confirmation of COVID-19. In 2019, for the same period, that number was five. Um, and there are more than 300 people in Rio de Janeiro alone in line for treatment. Sorry, so, you, said same, sorry, sorry you said the same number was five. Five, As yeah, in... so February, March, April of 2019 had five people die without a cause of death and their death certificate in the state of Rio de Janeiro. Okay, and the number now is? 310. That's that's quite a significant jump between the two. Yeah. Again, again, quick maths, that's that's more than 100%. Yeah, <laughs> that's very good maths. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't need a calculator or anything for that. I just, I just did it on my fingers. It's uh, really amazing. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm, I'm so impressed. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. And there, there are more than 300 people in line for treatment in Rio Janeiro alone. And when we consider that Rio Janeiro is a state in the southeast region that has more access, more resources. It's the most well-known state of Brazil in the whole world. That's really shocking. People, so research has found that these, what, what researchers are thinking is that these deaths without causes of death is because people are dying in their home. So um, either in line for treatment or they just haven't sought treatment at all, which is a possibility. So these are our official numbers and our situation as far as um, a lack of notification goes. And this situation, when it comes to lack of testing, I want to talk a bit, a little bit about the Ministry of Health. So we have, uh, our episode on the SUS, on the 
universal healthcare system coming up. And we actually, you know, have gotten that, we're getting that episode out before we plan to, so that people have an idea of how this works in Brazil. But basically, uh, the Ministry of Health is this huge ministry, and it in- includes the healthcare system in it. And we had a minister called Mandetta. So he's from a right-wing party uh, that was part of Bolsonaro's support base. And Bolsonaro's support base is very, um, very fickle. It's very hard to pin down who, which parties support him. And because he's always antagonizing them. And whoever doesn't support Bolsonaro is a communist immediately. Um, so we talked about Moro leaving the Ministry of Justice. And he has already been dubbed a communist. So, you know, um, so Mandetta is a guy who was against the More Doctors program. He is a guy from private health care. He supported private health care. But he was actually doing a pretty good job during the pandemic. He was following the science. He was following the, the, what the, what the UN was telling us to do, what the organization, what the World Organization for Health was telling us to do. Um, and for a while, he had the support of the, mil- the military um, within the palace. But he lost it because he started antagonizing Bolsonaro too much. And so he was fired and replaced with this guy called Taish. Mandetta had been... Uh, a federal deputy before, so he was a politician already. He was a, doc- a medical doctor and a politician. He even voted uh, for the coup against President Dilma Rousseff. So he's not a, like some guy that I would go and support, but he was not doing a bad job. And so he was replaced with this guy called Taish, like who replaces a health minister during a pandemic. <laughs> and Taish has no... Uh, experience whatsoever with um, politics. He has held no political office, either elected or by appointment. But then presumably, in that case, he's a wizard when it comes to when it comes to medical. Yeah, no, particularly um, when he was first picked. um, There was a video of him going around WhatsApp. He was saying something about if you're going to invest in a treatment for that's going to save somebody's life, but one will save the life of somebody who's old and one is going to save the life of a teenager, you're going to invest in the life of the teenager because that person is going to live longer. So this is somebody who believes that old people can die because they're just going to die anyway in a few years. Wow. Wow, yeah. that's not so. Cool. Yeah, not a great guy. No. And so he, his second in command was fired. And that's the thing: we don't really know if he fired him, or if Bolsonaro fired him, or if the military cabinet told Bolsonaro to fire him. His second in command was a medical doctor, and now it's a military general. Good. Okay. Excellent. That's good. Um, I mean, I think it's a general, I'm not sure. I know it's somebody from the military. The feeling is that this guy's there to kind of spy on Taish. I see. Really? Yeah, he's there to sort of keep tabs and make sure he doesn't overstep. Uh, keep him in line kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so this military cabinet, we talked about it in the beginning of the podcast. So there are nine ministers plus the vice president uh, who are military in the government. Plus now this guy in the Ministry of Health. It's it feels very much like we already have a military government. So yeah, Bolsonaro was elected, sure, but it feels very much like we already have a military government. Um and it is people are calling for his impeachment, even some of his former supporters because they were they supported him because they supported Moro and now that the ministry of justice is no longer with Moro. He left. Uh, Bolsonaro lost some of his base. Um, so people are demanding his impeachment. And that is something that is scary because if he leaves, that means we will have a military president. Yeah, and that always goes well for Brazil, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. So 
we get this military president and who knows what happens? Who knows if that guy's gonna leave? Um, when he terms, yeah, when he terms and ends, will he try for an election in 2022? What will he do if he loses? Yeah. So, so Taish has given no more briefings. So Mandetta had daily briefings. The briefings are now over. And his first briefing had Bolsonaro there. And he was very cautious about um, contradicting Bolsonaro, which was really embarrassing to see. It was really pathetic. And that's the situation we have now. Bolsonaro continues to downplay the pandemic. So he began the this period in March, um, calling it a little flu, saying quite immediately after Trump said that the cure can't be worse than the medicine, he said a few days later, too much medicine will lead to a disastrous effect. He keeps saying that we need to do vertical isolation. Uh, he keeps talking about chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine. I think I got nice. that one right. Nice. No, yeah, that was solid. Yeah. Thank well you. Um, Hydroxychloroquine. Yes. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So he did a lot of walking around Brasilia, running errands because that's what the president of Brazil needs to do: go to the drugstore. <laughs> and he did this protest in April 18, in which they went in front of a military headquarters and demanded uh, a military coup. And you can see in videos, like, he coughs into his hand and then shakes the hands of supporters. It's disgusting. There are other, other uh, situations when he's doing this running errands and walkabouts where he lets people kiss his hand. Yeah, that's all. He, he uh, yeah. You guys should see the face Gareth is making. It's really gross. Oh, no, I don't like that. I do not like that at all. One of his classic quotes from this moment is, we're all going to die someday. Why are I'm people, being literal. Why are people kissing his hand? Some people have really become his worshippers. But he's not the Pope. No. He's about as far removed from the Pope as you could possibly be. I know. He's like one of those 17th century Popes, where it was all just, you know, dangling your balls in buckets of <laughs> rye and... And, you know... Yeah, and he's on his third wife, if I'm not mistaken. He... Like, the party he's trying to create... And, and this is a new thing for Brazil. Bolsonaro doesn't have a party right now. So he doesn't have a political party. He left the party he was in. So the president of the country does not have a political party. And he he's creating one. And... He chose the number that would identify the party as 38. You want to guess why? Oh, I, um, oh. I told you this before. Oh, I do know this. It's because the number 38 is to do with a, it's a, is it a year? It's oh a, my God, you're so British. You're so British. It's the caliber of a gun. Oh my God, that's right. Yes. No. Yes, it is. It's the, it's, it's a, it's a. It's a fine. Okay. I mean, to yeah. be fair, I know nothing about gun, honestly, other than they, yeah, that's very British of you. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I mean, they shoot bullets and should be banned everywhere. But that's that's the only thing. Yeah, that my I know grandmother about. had one, but she lived in a farm. Okay, well, that's. I mean, I, by herself. I still don't know if that's acceptable. Or not, but still. Yeah, I don't like. I didn't like it either. But she kept it there. She never killed anyone. She did freak out a drunk guy who um, mistakenly went up to the farm rather than walk home. So she freaked <laughs> him out. She shot up, but he got really freaked out and slept in a tree. <laughs> okay, I'm going to need to hear way more about that story. Um, <laughs> but after so, um, we go off the air. Um, did you ever hear the story about Rip Torn, by the way? Who? Uh, you know Rip Torn, the actor? No. Okay. Not by name. Right, okay, so Rip Torn was a very famous actor, and uh, one night he died. His name was Rip? Yeah, his name was Rip Torn. He's a, have you ever seen Dodgeball? I'm trying to think of a movie you would have seen with Rip Torn in it. Rip Torn? Yeah, have, oh, you, ever, have you ever seen Dodgeball? Oh, okay, no, I know who that is, I know. Right, okay, it's Rip Torn. Um, so, anyway, so, uh, Rip Torn once. Seriously? Uh, dodgeball is what comes to your mind? 
I was trying to think of a movie you would have seen. Not that everybody would have seen, that you specifically, Larissa Peixoto, who spends hours looking at stats and yet has not even seen, like, I don't know, Gone with the Wind, would be... Would... I really haven't. No, I know, I know, I know you wouldn't have. Anyway, so, for the... For the for the for the nerds amongst us who love a number, Krypton was in dodgeball. My point is, is that yeah. So anyway, one night he goes home and he can't get into his house. He's really really drunk. He can't get into his house. Can't get into his house. His key's not working. He can't get into his house. Doesn't know why his key isn't working. So what he does, he decides to do. He decides to break in to his own house, which he does successfully, and then shuts the door behind him. Walks about maybe three feet forward and then decides he's going to lie down and fall asleep on the floor. About two hours later, he's awoken by a police officer taking him awake because what Riptorn had actually done was not break into his house. He had broken in to a bank in his neighborhood. A bank? It was not a neighbor's house? A bank in his neighborhood and there are alarms going off all over the shop, people freaking out, grunts. I'm drawn on him. <laughs> Genuinely good. That's an amazing story. Mm-hmm. I know. I and know. It, I mean, it fits completely with the theme of this episode. It does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it it. I mean, if this isn't, if that's not a metaphor for the COVID nineteen pandemic and uh, Bolsonaro's attempt to deal with it, then I don't know what is. I don't know what is. Well, he he did do a lot. More so, the day after, the day I love, after. I do love when we, we do this. You desperately trying to get us back on track, and he was like, "Well, yes, yeah, but let's let's just ignore everything you everything Gareth just said for the past <laughs> ten minutes, and let's move on to what we were actually talking about." I'm sorry. I think it's very important to know about Rip Torn's antics, but. There are other antics we need to talk about. I don't. I don't think. I don't think you're as involved in Riptorn's antics as, as I am. Honestly, <laughs> I think. I think you're just faking it, pretending to be involved. To be. Uh, hey, carry on. Go on. You do what you want to do. I'm just going to say here. It's fine. It's fine. You carry on. You do what you want. <laughs> so one of the weird bits about this whole thing was that after this protest. So the military cabinet was not happy that Bolsonaro was asking for a military coup and sort of asking for a military coup that would put himself in power as a dictator. So they, you know, told him off. And the next day, he would, he just sort of excused himself by saying, Oh, no, I didn't want a coup. Why would I want that? I'm already in power. I am the Constitution. Ooh. Yeah, which is very, you know, Louis the Fourteenth. Yeah. I am the state. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly who I was thinking about as well. <laughs> Louis the thing. Louis. Louis the Fourteenth. Right, okay. And he was... A monarch in France? French. I was going to say French. I was going to say French. <laughs> So, in addition to this most recent protest, in the beginning of March, uh, Bolsonaro came back from the United States. And the United States had had already a lot of cases back then. Um, and he had met Trump and Pence, and he went with a party of about 20 people, and a lot of them tested positive for COVID 19 and for coronavirus, and a lot of them did develop COVID-19. Um, a couple of days after returning from this trip, so in, there was a suspicion that he might be infected, he went to a protest that demanded the shutdown of Congress. So he has been mishandling this thing and treating it as if it didn't mean anything since the beginning. And just putting people at risk and he himself being a threat to public health because he will go to protests and just handle people in a way that's completely absurd and will encourage people to be in enclosed spaces and just 
protests in large groups of people, um, which is absurd. So that has been the most absurd situation of all, to see this person who we knew was evil, heartless, and inept, really show that in the most incredible ways. Um, one, one thing that happened, though, that, that was funny, because I think I've gone through all the information that I had to give, um, but this is pretty funny. So everybody's been demanding that Bolsonaro show us his test results, showing that he was negative for coronavirus. And he just said, no, I have tested negative. I don't need to show my tests. But one of his generals, his um, institutional security general, General Eleno, did show his test. He did not, however, black out his sensitive information. So he posted it on Twitter and other social media with his ID, his social security number, full name, date of birth, everything. I mean, these are inf- this is information that is relatively <laughs> public. I mean, we know his full name, his date of birth, but they people didn't really search for them before. He just put them all in one place, <laughs> which means that overnight... When you he, say when you say he put them in one place, where did he put them exactly? Was it all was over it? social media? He just posted oh, no. a picture of his no. test results, and he had everything on it, no. and he didn't black out any of it. So he is now a card carrying member um, fan of the Vasco football team. <laughs> he is a member of the Workers Party. He's a member of the Socialism and Liberty Party. He is a volunteer clerk for the next elections, if they happen, which is supposed to be this year, for mayors and city councilors. And last but not least, this was recent, uh, Big Brother Brazil wrapped. And when it wraps, it starts taking in applications for its next season. So now he's an applicant for Big Brother Brazil 22. That's fantastic. Yes. 22 or 21, I'm not sure. I don't know. Fantastic. I think so. I think it's high time that the military participate in the the interests of the people. Year 12 in Big Brother House. That's that's the... um, I I don't know why I did that, because you might not understand, but the uh, the UK version of Big Brother uh, has a voiceover guy on it, who sounds exactly like that. I go, did well, but <laughs> Big Brother House. Jim's in the pool, and he's not very happy. And and that's that's that's, that's basically it. Um, you know what yeah. we should do with that? What? I mean, I'm just throwing this out there as an idea. But, have you ever heard of the Space Kingdom of Asgardia? No. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I I know something you don't know. No, 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 no. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, the space. I was I was looking. I found this yesterday, day before yesterday, because I was I was looking up. Um, um, weirdly enough, I was looking up Donald Trump's history in professional wrestling. Do you know Donald Trump is a member of the um, Wrestling Hall of Fame? Oh God, no. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. It's true. That's he was story. a wrestler. No, good God, no, no, Trump, no, he couldn't even. Yeah, of course he's not going to go and you know like. Rap then why is he a member of the? Why does he have a history in wrestling? Ah, no, mm, yeah, that's another story for another podcast. Oh God, it feels so powerful saying that. No wonder you do it. Uh, <laughs> oh my word! Ah, yeah, I have secrets, but I'm not going to share them with you just yet. <laughs> I can see why that's addictive. Uh, anyway, so, so I was looking at other politicians who have been involved in wrestling, and one of the names that stuck out to me uh, is a guy called Lembic Opik. Who? Lengeberger what? No, not Lengeberger what? Lembic Opik. Lembic okay. He's a um, he's a British politician. And uh, he's relatively famous in the sense that he was uh, the 
he's a former leader of the Welsh Liberal Democrats. Uh, and he is, he's kind of this figure of fun within the British media because he's, he's this kind of scrawny, like oddly look, oddly shaped person with like big rim of glasses and so on. Um, and yet he ends up like dating like one half of the cheeky girls. And, uh, like, who are the cheeky girls? You don't know the cheeky girls. We no. are the cheeky girls, you are the cheeky boys. We are the cheeky girls, you are the cheeky <laughs> boys. Um, it's um. I'm so were... sad. We're only recording audio and not video of this. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I know all the choreography of of um, "Touch My Bum" by the Cheeky Girls. Anyway, <laughs> oh my God, touch my bum. That's what it's called. The song, right? It's called, Don't be shy. Touch my bum. This is life. Anyway, the point is. Oh right, my god! They're this kind of like weird, like Romanian, maybe twin sisters who uh, did this one song, which is awful, uh, as you can tell. No, it's um, amazing. Why, it's thank incredible. You. Why, thank you. It's all in the performance, really, honestly. <laughs> but uh, they so they do this 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 terribly horrible song. And um, and then one of them ends up dating uh, Lemmy Cobbick for a bit. Anyway, point is, is that he was a an MP until he got and quite a high profile one. Obviously, because he's you know uh, stepping out with the cheeky girls. One half of the cheeky girls. Um, the other one is the same. Who saint. knows? Uh, and then. And then so that happens, and then he he eventually loses his seat uh, at a general election, which is quite shocking. I wonder why. Well, no, it's quite shocking because he's such he's so high profile that you would think he's going to be one of these people who just hangs around forever, like Michael Howard or um, Boris Johnson, but or Jacob Rees-Mogg, for example. Oh Jesus! Look at the names you're saying. Yeah, I mean they're not good. I mean I'm not saying they're brilliant people, but they have enough notoriety to go, you know, to kind of sail through life. So does Harriet Harmon. Yeah, true, but you know the Harriet Harmon is sort of decent. ish Anyway, point is, <laughs> the point is, is that uh, so he loses he loses his job and then he goes off and does like a whole bunch of different things. He appears in like a bunch of reality TV shows like. Potentially celebrity Big Brother. I don't. I think he was in that one. I'm not sure, but I know he definitely went to "I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here." And <laughs> he also did um, a match, uh, a wrestling match, for something or other. And this was going to be, you know, his new career. Anyway, so I was trying to look up what he was doing. There is a point to all this, by the way. This isn't just like, yeah, like a long ramble. So I was, I was looking up what he was doing. And it turns out that he's now currently the chairman of the parliament of the Space Kingdom of Asgardia. And what the Space Kingdom of Asgardia is, is that a bunch of people sent up a satellite in 2017 to orbit around the Earth. And what they're claiming is, is that anything contained within the satellite itself or within the surrounding area of the satellite is the sovereign nation of Asgardia, which means that the sovereign nation of Asgardia is, in fact, in outer space. And you can become a citizen of Asgardia by signing up to it and paying, I think it's a hundred euro fee for that. Jesus! Right? I know, yeah? I know. Tell me about it. Uh, and, and this is a thing. But there's, there's like a, a load of people who are actually involved in this, and, and Lemon Opec is one of them. Uh, so and I guess so now is Gen- General Orlando. <laughs> well, I'm just say- I'm 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 not saying that you should do that, Larissa Pesciotta. I'm not saying that I, Cara Davis, should do that. I'm just saying if somebody listened to this, and then that happened, somebody with a spare hundred euros. Well, that's only if you want to become a resident or a citizen. You can just sign up and be and be a um a, a visitor. To, um, oh, okay. The sovereign. If nation. you have spare a hundred euros, if you have it to spare, we have a Ko-Fi page. That's true. Actually, don't spend it on like stupidly trying to put this thing for like 
remember to like to buy an ivory back scratcher. Send it to us instead. So we can yes. buy all the ivory back scratchers. That'd be nice. Thank no, you. no ivory back scratchers. More episodes for people. Oh, sure. Yeah, that as well. Yeah, why not? <laughs> so I think we are done for this episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying if that happens, it's a happy coincidence. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to put that up. Yes. Okay. I would agree. Okay. All right. Then. All right. Okay. Okay, everybody. Thank you for listening and stay safe. Please stay indoors if you can. Um, stay distant from people and physically, not emotionally. This is a very hard time for everyone, but just, you know, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Stay inside. And thank you to all the essential workers who are going out, who are delivering things for our needs and comforts, and to all the doctors and nurses. And, yeah, that does it for me. Thank you all. Okay, all right. Um, Thank you all for listening, and thank you, uh, Larissa, as well, for being brilliant, as always. Uh, Yeah, okay, we'll speak to you soon. Okay, all right, bye-bye. You've been listening to Brazil Nuts, an effort by Larissa Peixoto and Gareth Davis. We'd like to thank Usta Zielinski for the graphic design. We'd also like to thank the essential workers for keeping us safe.